Hi there, Steve Kaufman here, and today I'm going to talk about pronunciation. Remember, if you enjoy these videos, please subscribe, click on the bell for notification. And for those of you who listen on Apple Podcasts, please feel free to leave a review. We greatly appreciate it. So, pronunciation. The reason I want to talk about pronunciation is actually two things that happened today. First of all, I had we had house guests, my wife and I. These are very good friends. Uh, we knew them from Japan. Uh, he was a consul general in Osaka. Uh, he was a language student of Japanese way back when. I knew him in the early 70s. He married a Japanese girl. And so, you know, we've seen them from time to time over the last 50 years. They live in Kelowna, they came by on their way to Whistler and they overnighted with us and we have, of course, we just talked forever, went for walks. And uh, we were talking about wine and he referred, and he speaks French, and he said uh, Sauvignon Blanc. Sauvignon. I've heard people say Sauvignon Blanc. He didn't, at least he didn't say Blanc. And I thought to myself, he knows. I mean, we have the sound in English. It's not Sauvignon, it's Sauvignon. So, we have the word, we have that O sound in English. Sauvignon, Sauvignon Blanc. But, because in English we're a bit sloppy in how we pronounce things, no, I'm sure, but I know he's a stickler. Like, I think even in speaking French, he would say Sauvignon. It's Sauvignon. So, there's a certain lack of attention to the sounds. You, you hear this all the time. And I, I'm going to give examples in other languages where our English habits, if we're English speakers, tend to dominate our efforts to speak the foreign language. Uh, now, the other thing that was brought to my attention, this is, uh, I think it was, the person's name was maybe Mike Murphy, commenting here uh, on my, uh, one of my uh, YouTube videos about noticing that, uh, and he's been teaching in China for a long time. And uh, the, even with all kinds of work with the International Phonetic Alphabet, IPA, which I find quite unhelpful, but people don't notice certain things. And so he noticed though, that a lot of Chinese people can't pronounce the word usually. They say yearly. And, and absolutely, I've heard so many Chinese people say yearly. So I'm thinking about those two things. So in English, we're a bit lazy with our vowels. So the vowels, we don't say, we don't clearly say Sauvignon, we go Sauvignon. Uh, and that's how English is. You know, we just kind of slur the vowels a little bit. We don't give the vowels the full value, but there are languages where they do, like French or Spanish or Japanese, a full vowel. In Russian and in Portuguese, some of the vowels kind of fall away, but in, in many languages, they want the full value for the vowel. That's not to say that, that they don't also slur. So in French, you know, we want to have the clear, you know, c'est-à-dire, but people then end up saying c'est-à-dire, so that they don't give it full value in, you know, instead of saying je ne sais pas, they say je sais pas. So all of these things happen, but we have to start by being able to notice the clear, clean, correct pronunciation, and we have to be able to do it. And only once we have that correct pronunciation, the ability to hear it and to reproduce that clear, proper sound for that vowel in that language, only then can we afford to get sloppy. So 
And going back to the Chinese example, of course, if you've ever been to Beijing and taken a taxi, you can, I mean, even as someone who speaks Chinese, it's hard to follow them because it's, it's a rawr, 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 rawr. It's a very rawr, rawr type of, if they're from Beijing. Uh, and so maybe that's what carries over to, into the English. Instead of going usually, you know, if you really thought, if that Chinese speaker would, would sort of look at it, and of course the problem in English is that the words aren't written the way they're pronounced. So it's not je, there's not a, a, a soft je sound like in French, you know, where you would have a J which has a je sound, usually has that same sound, but it's written S-U, usually. And of course, in most words, SU doesn't have that, uh, you know, value. We say supreme, supreme, suffer. Uh, English is tough. It English is tough. But I, I, I think that Chinese speaker, and there's so many of them who say yorli, they have to sit down and look at that word and practice saying that word correctly. And then eventually they'll be able to incorporate that word into a sentence that they speak you know, at normal speed. And I remember that, you know, now I've learned lots of languages, but French and, Jap and, uh, and Chinese were my first, and I actually worked hard at the pronunciation. I remember the, the Chinese sound, chue, like chue fa. Chue fa is to lack, chue. We don't have that in English. So I had to work at it, and I would pronounce Chinese, and I particularly remember chue fa, chue, 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 chue dian, chue dian. And to the point where the muscles here in my, in my jaw were kind of sore. Uh, I also remember trying very hard to improve my French pronunciation because even though we say like pronunciation, you really, if you're an English speaker, you have to work hard to force yourself to say pronunciation because the tendency from English, which, which is what our brain is set up for, is to say pronunciation. It's not pronunciation, it's pronunciation. And it's, it takes an extra bit of effort to give it that full value. And once you have the full value, you can then, pronunciation, you can, you can kind of slur over it a bit. But if you don't have that essential, you know, that core ability to make those sounds correctly, then you're going to end up with the equivalent of yearly that the Chinese use for usually. And this is true in all languages. I mean, Spanish also has pure vowels, and they're not diphthongs, so it's not bueno. An English speaker will say bueno, no bueno, or whatever. It's bueno, bueno. We have to focus in on that, and I don't think the uh, international phonetic alphabet helps. I think you have to listen very carefully, and then repeat very deliberately. And, uh, you know, in, in a way, if you do the mini stories at Link, you get sentence by sentence, and you can hear the natural uh, you know, voice, read those sentences. So you can, you can listen to the sound text to speech for one word, but you can also hear a sentence and then try to imitate it. And when you try to imitate it, really work the jaw muscles so that you're giving it the full value. If in the case of, uh, if it's Chinese, that it's if the real is coming in. If it's French, it's on, if it's, uh, you know, Bueno, bueno, cut that A. It's not a bueno, it's a bueno, bueno. And, and we have to hear those things. We have to develop the ability to hear the difference between how we sound and how the native speaker sounds. And focus in on some of these key sounds. So you build up a base, the ability to make these sounds. And it's difficult. It's difficult at first. You might make it once, 
but then within a sentence you'll lose it. I'll always remember in Montreal, I used to hitchhike to McGill University because, you know, it was a long bus ride. And there was another fellow hitchhiking and he was an immigrant from Southern Italy. And we got friendly. In fact, we ended up looking for work on construction sites in Montreal together. And his English was terrible and I was trying to help him. And uh, so he couldn't say small. He would always say small, small. And it was quite frustrating. I said, no, 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 small. Oh, okay. So I say, go small. And he went small. For whatever reason, he was pre-programmed to say small. Maybe he heard it from other people from Southern Italy. I don't know. I don't know. In the end, I went, we worked construction for a couple of months and then I went down to the dock and I was able to hitchhike on a boat going across to Europe. So I worked on a boat going across to Europe. I haven't seen him since. I don't know if he still says jumeau. Sounds like the U in French and in other languages where they have an U sound. That takes a lot of work. And, you know, the traditional sort of suggestion is to go OO, put your mouth in sort of the shape to go OO, and then just try and say E. So if you go you'll end up with an U. Even if you're able to produce the U to get to the point where you can produce it on the fly in a phrase or a sentence, it takes a lot of practice. Uh, so you got to notice it, you got to practice it individually, and then you want to get into doing it in sentences. So my suggestion on pronunciation is begin by really focusing in. So if you're a Chinese speaker and you say you early, get a hold of that word, Look at it, break it down, say usually, 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 usually. Get to where you can say the word, and then usually I like to go, you know, usually when I study languages, I do this, that, or the other. So throw it into a sentence. Now, a second suggestion is to pronounce well, there's two things we have to do. We, we got to hear it, and we got to be able to produce the sound. We don't have to get 100%, but more or less. The second thing is, we don't want to resist that sound. So, you know, there are, we don't want to resist anything that has to do with that language. So, you know, Swedish, now I'm from Svenska, so most of them leak some go up and out. And if you are, feel self-conscious about doing that, then you won't do it. So you've got to not feel self-conscious. And in that regard, I find that if you can get a hold of in that regard, our many stories in Lake aren't great because they're kind of narrated without feeling, right? I enjoyed, when I was learning Mandarin, I enjoyed the, the Xiangsheng dialogues because there was a lot of feeling in those. These are comedians telling a story. And uh, I think the same when we learn languages. Sometimes if we can get a hold of something that's spoken with feeling, that we connect at an emotional level. And sometimes we can have fun with it in different languages. You know, we can say, you know, just sort of get into the, no, c'est pas vrai, mais quand même, on va pas faire ça. That you get into sort of almost like a, a situation where emotion is involved. And so you, you play at the language. And, and so that way you're connecting, you're creating some emotional connection to the phraseology and the pronunciation. So I think all of those things are important. It begins by getting a, a grasp on how it's actually pronounced, uh, you know, making the effort to pronounce correctly, which is more effort. It's an effort to say pronunciation, sauvignon blanc. You got to work at it until eventually it becomes natural. And then get a hold of 
something that you can emotionally connect to and then imitate when people speak with some emotion. In most situations, you won't be, you know, kind of wrapped up in that. And, uh, but it, again, it helps. And, and I think for people who haven't learned as many languages as I have, uh, I have to admit that the first few languages, I worked hard on pronunciation. And then I think that introduces a level of flexibility in the brain so that subsequent languages, first of all, there's a greater likelihood that there will be sounds in there that we have already noticed and been able to produce. We're more confident, we're less self-conscious, and so things become easier. But the first few languages, uh, I think one has to make a special effort to get you know, a certain minimum level of pronunciation. It doesn't have to be perfect, but um, yeah, when I hear Sauvignon Blanc, if the person is trying to speak French, to me, that's just not good enough. Anyway, there you have it. Enjoy your Sauvignon Blanc. Bye for now.